Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Talking about the last day work and what happens with the nations. We know that there will be an Antichrist. Everybody knows that. The thing is, is there pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and all these are doctrinal statements that are revealed in Christ. It's the doctrine of Christ. It's the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Writ, which is able to save us. Many will say, don't concern yourself with doctrine. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and regardless of what you believe, you're saved. It's just not the case. It is the Holy Writ, the Scriptures, whereby we are saved. That's the reason Jesus stated, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me. In the last days, we know that it's going to be perilous times. We know that. Men will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Heady, high-minded, truce breakers. Paul tells Timothy all of these things that will happen. They're having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof. They're unthankful, unholy, disobedience to parents. We see that everywhere. Well, most will say, well, that's the way it's always been from the beginning of time. But evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. Now, Paul has stated that in that Pentecostal reign, the reign of the Holy Ghost, in the former reign, he said, after my departure, and he said it right after, to take heed to yourselves and over all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. That's the only Lord God. That's not a second person of the Godhead, or definitely not three persons in the Godhead. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, God that has purchased the church with his own blood, Acts 20, 28. But then he goes on, <clears throat> and he states that after his departure, Paul's talking, grievous wolves shall come and not sparing the flock. And it'll be among you, among yourself. It'll be in the church, not outside, not the center, so to speak, but the people in the church that will bring in seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Jude tells us the same thing. In the epistle of Jude, he talks about these certain men that have crept in. Crept into where? Into the church, the true body of Christ. Where Satan dwells in Pergamos. <clears throat> that is where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwelleth there in Pergamos. We see that in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, at the third church written there in Revelation, the second chapter. But at the same time, we see that we are given the hidden manna to eat. Eat of the hidden manna, the overcomer. Those things are hid in Christ Jesus. And that is the things that are in faith. That's what the revelation of Jesus is. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show him to his servants things. Things are the things of faith. Jesus stated it going to the cross. He said, I have many things to tell you, disciples, but you're not able to bear them now. Well, when the comfort of the Holy Ghost has come, he'll speak of me. <clears throat> well, why would he say that? If there's only one God, but there are many offices of God, many functions of that one spirit. 
the Father is the self-existent, eternal, invisible Spirit of God. The Son is the invisible Spirit, saying, Spirit made visible. And he said, he'll speak of me. In other words, he'll show the way, the truth, and the life, what Jesus has prepared for in his own death, burial, and resurrection. Buying us with his redemptive blood, a propitiation for our sins. In lieu, in us, instead of us dying, he died for us. That's a propitiation. That's a propitiation where he literally laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Who laid down his life? Well, they say the Son of God did. Well, the Son of God is God manifest in the flesh. So we can say the Son of God laid down his life. We can say God laid down his life. We can say the Father laid down his life. And we can see that in 1 John 3, 16. It's, it's there. Hereby perceive the love of God. <clears throat> because he laid down his life for us. There's only one God. God is that spirit. Jesus is that spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Well, what has happened is iniquity has come in. And Jude warns us about it. Paul did. Grievous will shall come in among you, speaking perverse things, not sparing the flock. Jude says the same thing. He said certain men have come in, crept in unawares, crept into the church unawares, a subtlety, a lukewarmness, a lukewarm church, a Laodicea. That church says, I'm increased with goods. I'm clothed, fed, and have need of nothing. But they have not crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. You'll see that in Revelation 3, the last church name, Laodicea. <clears throat> and God said, I know thy works. He said that you say that you are increased with goods. You're clothed, fed, and have need of nothing. But God says, knowest thou not, you're poor, wretched, naked, and destitute. <clears throat> Talk about a mistaken identity. That's the church of today. We also have left our first love in Ephesus. We have to repent and do our first works over, but we don't really understand that. Because we're told that works have nothing to do with salvation. The works that accompany salvation are not essential or necessary. Faith alone can save you is what they preach, which is a lie. Faith without works is dead. <clears throat> you have faith. It will be manifest through works. Works that accompany faith. And James says, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, you speak faith well when you say, be thou clothed and fed. You see a person that's hungry and naked, and you say, be thou clothed and fed. Well, you spoke faith well. <clears throat> but because you did not move on that in an expression of your faith, then the faith profiteth nothing. Faith alone is dead. Just as the spirit has a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Well, we have a lot of dead faith. And many think, well, we're righteous simply because we've repented of our dead works. We've asked Jesus to come into our heart, never being born again. Well, we find that in Sardis. We find that uh, 
I'm sorry, we find that in Smyrna, Revelation 2, and we find it in Philadelphia, Revelation 3. In Smyrna, they say that they say they are Jews and are not by the synagogue of Satan. Well, here's another mistaken identity. They think they're clothed, fed, and have need of nothing. They think they're increased with goods, yet this church is, is poor. And it says if you don't have money, well, then obviously God's not blessing you. But yet, the Lord says the poor you have with you always, and he says he's chosen the chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. <clears throat> so it's not a sin to be poor. On the contrary, those that will be rich fall into diverse temptation and many hurtful lusts. And if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. That is what that many have erred, thinking that gain is godliness. And that's what we find in the prosperity church. Totally messing the mark. They will not be used in the last day work of the ministry. Then what is the truth? What's the real Jesus? What's the real Christ? Well, we're going to see that perilous times are here. These are troublous times. We see iniquity abounding. And that's within the church. And because of that, the love of many wax cold. And iniquity is when the wicked seems like they're being blessed. Asaph saw it <clears throat> in the Psalms. And he said, I was about to perish because God had blessed the wicked. And he was just about out of the way when God showed him the last end of the wicked, that all of those that have lived deliciously in this life never crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust, just as he tells Laodicea, that the end of the wicked is death. <clears throat> but life and peace is in the righteous. Then Asaph said, I repented. He repented of his error. It is not disgraceful to be poor. That is a lie that has been propagated out of the church, that if you serve the Lord Jesus and you follow this pastor that's got a jet airplane, that you will be blessed straight out of lives, even on their flesh, making merchandise of you. <clears throat> now, how they reign. They bring in damnable heresies. Second Peter, we find that in Second Peter 1, matter of fact, we'll read that. And I'm, yeah, Second Peter, second chapter, verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people. Even, watch what he says, even as there shall be false teachers among you, among the church, just like Paul stated. He said, they're going to be among you after Paul's departure, grievous wolves coming in, not sparing the flock, which are bringing in perverse things among you, among the church. <clears throat> One of these is God blesses you financially with money and you can have the world and Jesus too. That's a damnable heresy. Well, they'll quote third John two to you. God wishes above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospers. Yes. Catch it at the end. Even as thy soul prospers. But what they don't tell you, if you're rich toward yourself and not rich toward God, it'll cost you your soul. Somebody said, Really? <clears throat> I haven't read that. You need to. To have a perspective of the Word of God, you have to read the whole thing. 
not just one or two verses out of there and pick what you want. Do what Thomas Jefferson did. Uh, just take your Bible and cut it up. And what you like, keep, and what you don't throw in the trash. That doesn't work. The Word of God is the Holy Writ from Genesis to Revelation. Paul says, if you have received the Word of God, which is in truth, truly is the Word of God. These scriptures which are able to save you. These exceedingly great and precious promises are given to us in the Holy Writ. That we might be made partakers of His divine nature. Holiness. Somebody said, well, I think I'm okay. My pastor told me, and I go to a church with 60,000 people. Well, it doesn't make any difference. You go to people, a church with 6 million people. The word of God's what's going to judge you on the last day, not that local church body that you're in. You're going to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ, and the books will be open, and that book of life. And that book is the word of God, and we'll be judged out of this book, out of the word of God, out of the Holy Writ. If we don't have a true word of God, then what are we... What is he going to judge us by? Well, we do have a holy writ. And to whom much is given, much is required. He that knew to do the Lord's will, and did it not, will be beaten with many stripes. But hell is still hell. Separation from God. Somebody said, well, it doesn't sound too bad. Oh, yes, it is. It's where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And you can see the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. Being tormented. Nobody wants to be tormented. Hell wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what God did. But hell hath enlarged herself because of our disobedience. And that's where we have to return back to the true God, the true Lord, the real Jesus. And that's what God is doing now. What did these false prophets bring in? Well, Peter tells us, Second Peter 1, Second Peter, second chapter, verse one. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as even as there are false teachers among you who privily, privately, shall bring in damnable heresies. <clears throat> damnable heresies; those are doctrines. And what we have in every different heresy or denomination are different doctrines of what they think in each individual denomination, what they believe to be salvation, the, the dogmas and the apologetics, that what is and what is not salvation, thinking they're rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, in these last days, these damnable heresies are predominant in the church, just as where Satan's seed is, where Satan dwelleth in Pergamos. But at that time, there is the church of the living God that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Those are the ones that dig deep. They don't just listen to what Paul says as it were in Berea. They're more noble. And more noble in Berea than they were in Thessalonica because they searched diligently. They received the things Paul said with a ready heart, but they searched diligently. Every day, the word of God and the things with Paul preached, whether they were so or not. And these, there, not, did not take a pastor's word, bishop's word, or an apostle's word or prophet on their eternal soul. 
And because of that, they have had and had established their faith in Christ. They were more noble in Berea than in Thessalonica because they search the scriptures daily to see if the things Paul preached were so. We do the same thing. We find that also that Paul states to us that we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, how do we do that? Through the word of God, personally, individually, seeking out of the word. Read and search these scriptures. The scriptures which are well able to save you to find the will of God for your life. If you don't seek God, you're not going to find him. You don't ask, you're not going to be given. If you don't knock, it's not going to be open to you. That's something we all have to diligently do with our whole heart. And Paul states that. How are you going to escape the corruption of this world? Through the lust. The lust of the eyes, the pride of the life, the lust of the flesh. You can't be conformed to this world. You can't be conformed to the worldly church. This mammon doctrine of money that you go to church and get money. If you do that, you'll die. Well, how do you escape the corruption of the world through lust? Through these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us, whereby we are made partakers of his divine nature. We become holy as he is holy by not only looking in the perfect law of liberty into that glass, into that that, uh, irrevocable uh, word of God, the truth, the faith given in that word that, that feeds the inner man, the living word of God, that feeds that inner man, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and the outer man's perishing. If you set your affections on the things beneath or the things of the world, we'll die. That's carnal mindedness. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, that is, feed that inner man created after Christ Jesus, the body which is of Christ. And do so, you'll grow up into him from precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, until you go from babies to little children to young men to fathers. The, the inner man will grow into the image of Jesus Christ. But if we follow these cunningly devised fables into this so-called prosperity gospel, this name it, claim it, snap it, and grab it, which is no way that God sanctions that word. Neither is it anywhere near the truth. Just as he told Laodicea, you think that you are right with me. You're increased with goods. You say you're clothed, fed. You have need of nothing. But God said, knowest thou not? You don't have any knowledge of it. That you're poor. You don't have the word of God. You don't have oil oil in your lamp. You're wretched. You're naked. You're not clothed on with the Lord Christ. And you're destitute. Well, what do you do? Well, I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. What's that? Crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust. Count it a joy when you fall into diverse temptations, many different temptations. Why? Well, though your faith be tried as by fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost, 
He's leading you and guiding you, burning up the things that are conforming to this world. The things of this world, which uh, man, they, they think that whatever you have in possessions is the equity or the equality of mankind and to him that has more possessions is blessed than those that do not are cursed. But Jesus said a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. It's where you lay your your treasures. The poor widow only gave two mites out of her penury, her poverty. She was a follower of Jesus and all of those that had much more money gave. She gave the least amount as far as the world is concerned. But Jesus said they, she has given more than they all. Why? Because she gave a sacrificial gift. It meant something to her. And when we give sacrificially, it moves God, just as uh, Cornelius did of the Italian band, a memorial before God. But those that are rich towards self, well, God give God just 10%, and the 90% is mine. Well, in Old Testament, that was true, not in the New. In the New, Jesus said, except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. I'm talking to the real, I'm talking to the wise, the word to the wisdom, to those that will hear. Except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus stated, if a man come after me, any man, let him first deny himself, all yourself, will, your self-purposes uh, and your uh, idealisms in life and your narratives that you want, lay them aside. Pick up your cross. Come and follow me. And I'll make you a disciple. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we do as he did as our example. Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. That's what he's telling the church to lay to see he learned obedience through the things which he suffered, the captain of our salvation. Somebody said, well, what does that have to do with me? I don't have a cross. Yes, you do. First Peter 4.1 states that. For as much then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, not in the spirit. He laid aside the spirit that he is as God, made himself of no reputation to be our kinsman redeemer, being one of us, tempting all points like as we are and showed us as a man of flesh and blood. Then at all points like as we are yet without sin, to overcome the devil of the world and our own flesh. And Peter states it in 1 Peter 4.1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, well, we are to arm ourselves with the same mind. Be therefore likewise minded. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. <clears throat> and therefore, you've overcome the world. You've overcome the devil. You've overcome your own fleshly desires. And that is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do the will of God. If we don't do the will of God, we don't make the kingdom of heaven. Jesus states that in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. There's many that are in the kingdom of God now having Christ in them. But if they do not do the will of God, we'll not make the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus states that. In Matthew 5, he says, Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He states in Matthew 7, Not all the say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. You can't call Jesus Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, except by the Holy Ghost. The Lord is the Father of glory. And you call Jesus the Father. Christ is the Father. Christ is God. And you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're born of God. 1 John 5, 1. And those, even though they have that revelation, but they didn't go on and do the will of God. They didn't seek God for the perfect will of their purpose and the will of God for their life. They went to church. They absolutely worked in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But they did not do the will of God. They didn't fulfill the purpose of God in their life. And in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in, but only those that do the will of God. They will begin to profess unto Jesus. Lord, we've done many wonderful works in thy name. In thy name, we've cast out devils. In thy name, we have done many wonderful works and prophesied in your name. We've done these things. Jesus didn't say, no, you haven't. Of course they did. You can work in the gifts of God, have faith to work those gifts by love, but yet still disobey the leading of the Holy Ghost and where he, he leads you. And what happens there? Well, the world, we don't know the work of God because the spirit of the world is in our heart. You'll see that in Ecclesiastes 3. <clears throat> God has placed the spirit of the world in our heart that we will not know or consider the work of God from the beginning to the ending. Why? Because our heart is not toward God. God answers according to our heart. Guard your heart, for out of it proceed all the issues of life. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And where your treasure is, where do you put your treasure? What are you living for? You living for self? Jesus warned of that. And this prosperity church just do not get it. What do they not get? Well, all through the word of God. Right there in the Constitution of the Kingdom of Heaven. Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in the heavens. Where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Thieves did not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. I've heard men spurn God. Say, will you give me his address and I'll send Jesus a check. <laughs> well, they would to God they had in the day of judgment. Well, there's markers and they will always be markers. Say, where's the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were. We've heard about this coming of the Lord for years and decades and centuries. Yet all things remain the same. But God's not slack concerning his promises. That is determined will be done. The Lord hath promised yet once more. Somebody said there's nothing else God needs to do before he comes. Yes, there is. And that's in Hebrews 12. It states that in the days of Moses, God shook the earth. There was a shofar on the Mount Sinai that God descended 
and the mountain burned with fire, and the Lord descended upon it. And the voice of the Lord, the trumpet, waxed louder and louder, so much that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Here's a man that has been on the mount several times, received the law at the hand of God, and yet said, I exceedingly fear and quake. All of Israel said, Moses, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord lest we die. Let him tell you and you tell us. What a day. Shook the whole earth then. A great shaking. Something greater coming? Oh, far, far greater. Take a look at Hebrews 12. The Lord hath promised yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. The heavens will be shaken? Yes. Something that we've never, ever seen before. The judgment of God. The east wind. A desert wind. The wind of the Lord. A wilderness dry wind. A wind not to fan nor to purge. It's a judgment wind. It's a Eurycladon. The Eurycladon is the last wind we see in the book of Acts before it pauses. Doesn't have an amen, not having an end on it, because it's still in operation. Jesus Christ is still coming in the flesh in the church. He is that Father. He is that Spirit. He is the Holy Ghost still coming in the flesh, the church being the body of flesh. 1 John 4, verse 1 through 4. Those are the real believers. But he said, I'm going to shake it one more time. But far, far greater, not the earth only, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. What things? The things of faith that are made? Yes, man-made doctrine. Here's a good one. Whatever you decree, God's going to do it. Just decree a thing. You want a new car? Decree it. You want a new house? Decree it. Give an offering and then claim it. Ha! Jesus said, if any two of you agree touching anything, the things of faith. That's what James said. You have not because you ask not, and when you ask, you ask amiss. If you stand on the word of God and you have obeyed the word of God, you have every right to claim the word of God because healing is the children's bread. But if you've gone for the ways of the world and making Jesus serve with it, he's not bound to answer any prayer you have at all because you haven't been obedient unto righteousness, unto holiness. God's ears are always open to the righteous cry, but righteousness has to be obeyed. You'll see that in Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, even when you have the Holy Ghost, that's what Paul is stating to the church at Rome. But still, whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey. You can either obey the flesh, which will bring sin unto death, or you can obey the leading of the Holy Ghost, of obedience unto righteousness which will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
have to be full grown? Yes. What about the children? The children of the kingdom will be cast out. You have to be full grown? Yes. That's the reason. We in the church, we have a little sister. She's not full grown. She's in the church. <clears throat> but her path's not developed. And neither is she. She's a little sister. But the church of the Lord God are full grown and are precious in his sight and are received. And the Lord is there, is pleased with her. But there's a little sister. What will happen for her when she's spoken for? Will she make it the way she is? No. But will God just cast her away? No. That's the reason he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, children of the fathers. Notice it's the hearts. And the heart is where, that is, where your treasure is. And that's exactly what Jesus stated there. Lay up for yourselves treasures in the heavens. Moth and rust are not corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. What will happen to that little sister? Well, if she be a wall, that's a wall of salvation. We will build upon her. Take that faith higher. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. Because he's coming back for a church with that spot, with that blemish, coming to, unto perfection. A glorious church with that spot or blemish. Well, she'd be a wall. We're going to build on her. Build upon her a palace of silver. Fully completed. Well, if she'd be a door, well, she's got the door, Jesus. But we have to enclose her. We will enclose her with cedar. That's a cedar work. That's in the last day tabernacle and the walls of cedar of salvation. Well, we have to go on. You got to go through the sand, dig deep through that sand of the worldly doctrines of the Babylonian church. It's superficial. And there's tons of sand before you got to get to the rock. That's solid rock. When you do that, you will then be in and pleasing to the Lord God. But when you're not, then we're not pleasing to the Lord, and we will be cast out. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's your Matthew 7. He said, not all the same to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. We all must be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. So what is the problem right now? Well, we have to come out of this false church, come out of Babylon. Touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you, sons and daughters. What is this doctrine? What are these damnable heresies? Jude tells us. Jude tells us right there in his epistle. He states that certain men have crept in unawares, just as Peter said. They brought in inside, they've crept in. They brought in damnable heresies. Second Peter, second chapter, verse one. Jude says the same thing. Paul says the same thing in Acts twenty twenty nine. Jude says it in his epistle. Certain men have crept in unawares, <clears throat> who were foreordained to this condemnation, to this condemnation, not conviction, condemnation, condemned damnable heresies, ungodly men denying the only Lord God, denying Christ, denying uh, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Father of glory, 
that he is the word, that he is the Holy Ghost, that he is the Son of God, he is a, that Christ is every office of the Spirit. That's the doctrine of Christ. And whoever does not abide in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. And it is superfluous to say that very few churches have ever taught Christ. They'll mention Jesus Christ, but they never taught Christ. They never understood and established their people in the doctrine of Christ. Well, somebody says, what is the doctrine of Christ? Well, the doctrine of Christ is Christ is God. That's the foundation of the church, but it's also the chief capstone, the cornerstone. It's the foundation stone and the capstone. It's the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and it's come, the almighty God from A to Z, the Alpha through the top, the Alpha to the Omega, Revelation 1.8. That hadn't been taught. It's a mystery, but it's revealed to those that see God. It's now revealed the mystery of Christ in Ephesians 3. As Paul stated, this mystery is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets, the mystery of Christ. It's very open now in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9, and very few know it. And that's just the beginning. After we know who he is, then we have to obey the leading of it in order to do the work of the ministry and be pleasing in his sight and overcome. Well, what is that mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ that the full understanding and acknowledgement of it Knowing it, in Colossians 2, you'll see it in verse 2 and 3, the full acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. In him, notice it's one him, one person, not three, not two, not one, oneness, but one. In him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, where is the treasure revealed? was revealed to the body of Christ. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 3, what is the, what's the message? The Lord is that spirit. And what is that spirit? Every office of the spirit. Well, there's many offices, many functions of that one spirit. There's only one spirit, many, many attributes. What are the attributes? The law through the Tav, the A through the Z. In the revelation of Jesus Christ, that unveiling of Jesus, the last book in your Bible, the Word of God, the Holy Writ, has 22 chapters because there are 22 Hebrew letters in the ABC theory, and every chapter is built upon a Hebraic design of that alphabet because each letter is an attribute of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who is the God Almighty. And the first thing revealed is this treasure that we have in earth and vessels is 2 Corinthians 3.17. The Lord is that spirit. Well, who's the Lord? Jesus is. <clears throat> the man? Yes, the man. Oh, well, our denomination says a man cannot enter. Flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus, that man has entered in 
that light which no other man can. You'll see that in First Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Who is that man? Jesus Christ. He's a blessed and only potentate. Potentate, that's a capital P. That's omnipotent. That's almighty. So what's the first, first thing you're going to see in Revelation, the first chapter? Well, the first letter is, uh, is the Allah, which is also the numerical value of one, which is only one God. And that is a picture of an ox, meaning the almighty. Well, in chapter one, if there is a Hebraic design, we should see there in the revelation of Jesus that he is God, that he is the almighty, the only one. The one God. Not a trinity, not a twoness, and not a oneness where the man's not God, but has God in him. But that he is God. The man is that spirit. Well, we see it in Revelation 1.8. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, God Almighty. And that's what John is on the Isle of Patmos for, the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And he's going to give us things which must shortly come to pass. And he's going to, God has signified it, sealed it, acknowledged it through John, which is the sealing in Zerubbabel is my signet. Zerubbabel is a sealing, which is Zerub, born in Babel, Babylon, but we can't stay there. You're born there. You're born as, as you were, but you're told in the worldly church, you can stay there. You can just stay Zerubbabel, stay in Babylon. You're born in Babel. Zeru, born in Babel, Babylon. You're born in Babylon. And that's okay. You're born again. No. <clears throat> you have to come you out of her and be you separate. Separate. That means uh, saint, separated, or what we call to be sanctified, which are we are all called to be saints. A saint is one who is sanctified, both spirit, soul, and body. You're set apart for God's use. Through obedience unto righteousness, or Romans 6. Well, we're told that we can stay born again and be Zerubbabel, stay in Babylon, and we're saved. <clears throat> no, we can't be. Well, what's the word? Well, Zerubbabel, you are my signet. <clears throat> hey, guy, too. Zerubbabel is my signet. That's a sign of lifetime. The sign, S I G N. Signet, S-I-G-N, E-T, Aloftov. The sign is the sealing, which is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. <clears throat> and what is that? In Zechariah 4, it tells you those are the two olive trees, the two olive branches. And we're going to get into the depth of that word that you as an individual believer, a call for. Those are not angelic forces. That's a body of Christ that are redeemed. But they have a higher glory than Pentecost. They're tabernacleists. They've gone on. They've gone on to the present truth, which we are now in. <clears throat> You'll see that. 
that in Zerubbabel will be the ones that are sealed in Revelation 7, the apocalyptic sealing of the servants of God in their forehead. And uh, that seventh there, seventh chapter, we see the seal. And that seal is for the servants of God, which is not national Israel, the Jew, that is natural, but the church of the living God. That will be used in the work of the ministry for three and a half years, 42 months, a time, times and a half, 1,203 score days. You'll see that in the work of the ministry in the body of Christ, that these living creatures, the Zoe, the cherubim, the lion, man, calf, and eagle, are the ones that preach this everlasting gospel, Revelation 6. Come and see. And they're the ones proclaiming the word of God. That's what you're called for. Well, to have that ceiling, we have to come to full measure the statue of Jesus. And that's where it's going to take on the word of God. And Jesus states, these works that I do shall you do also. What works did he do? He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devils. Open blind eyes, loose the tongue, the, tongue, the lame walk, and the captain went free. Blessed is he whom serves not offended in me. These works you'll do. Same works that I do, you'll do. Those are redemptive miracles, revealing that Jesus, the Christ in you, is a resurrection and the life. But in these last days, there'll be a profound radical change from Pentecost. And you'll see that in the ceiling in Revelation 7, which will be those ones again in Revelation 14, verse 12. In Revelation 14, 1, those are the ones of seal, the servants of God there on the Mount Zion, having their father's name written in their foreheads. Those are ones sealed. And notice in Revelation 14, 12, it states that these are the redeemed. God has shown us who the redeemed is. They're they are the Zoe. They are the cherubim. They are the living creatures. They are the ones in the full image of Jesus Christ. Jesus had four faces. At Genesis 3.24, you'll see he placed cherubim at the east end of the garden of God and a flaming sword turning every which way. What's the cherubim? It's a capital C, Jesus. And that is his four faces. And God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus, but there's four faces. Matthew proclaims him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The gospel of Mark, that he is a perfect man. There's a lion man. Then what we have with the gospel according to Luke. He's the suffering servant, the ox. And within we have, notice that ox is God, the Almighty. And then we have uh, that John, the gospel according to John, and that is the eagle, blind man, ox, and eagle, three terrestrial, one celestial, and that is Jesus Christ, the man who is God. That's a capital C cherubim in Genesis 3.24. But now we are blind man, a calf, and eagle, because it'll be a calf's foot that will burnish brass, will shine as burnished brass. 
if judgment of God, that will be revealed through the church. That's reading it says a calf's foot, but a man and ox. It starts out a man child, then it grows to be the perfect man in Revelation 12. That's you, the church. That is not the nation of Israel. That annuls the work of God. It annuls his glory. It annuls the glory that will be revealed in and through the body of Christ, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the fire might be of God and out of ourselves. We will eat the hidden manna, as he said it in Pergamos. And there will be a white stone given to us, that and a new name written, that only he knows that receives it. That's you and me. Those are the hidden things. And that is the Father revealed. Jesus said in John 16, I'll no more. I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs. I won't speak to you in hidden things. I'll show you plainly of the Father, that he, the man, is the Father. He laid aside all of his glory to become a man and then took the ordinance of that law and nailed it to his cross and went back to the Father, the glory of the Father, not something less. That man is the Father of glory. He is a quickening, he has been made a quickening spirit. The man, Christ Jesus. That's right, the flesh and blood man that shed his blood on Calvary, who then resurrected his flesh and bone in John 20, had to, had to be glorified. He's already resurrected. And as he's resurrected, Mary talks to him. And she grabs a hold of him and holds him. And he says, touch me not, hold me not, Mary. I go to my God and your God. I go to my father and your father. Why? Because I have not yet been glorified. That man has to be glorified with the father's own self, the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And he did. Jesus raised up his own body of flesh. John 2, 20, destroy this temple. In three days, I'll raise it up. And there in John 20, verse 22, after Jesus is glorified, the man, he breathes on the disciples and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Why? Because he is that spirit. Where'd it come from? The man. You don't get to the father except through him because he is the father revealed. The only redemptive name of the father is Jesus. The only blood name of the father for salvation is Jesus, the son of God. Your salvation is in the son of God, the father revealed. And it will be unveiled, the unveiling of Jesus, that he is the Father of glory. That's what the whole book of the Revelation is about, that he is God from aloft to the top. 22 chapters revealing that he is the blessed and only omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, and he's revealing it through his judgments. For when judgment's in the earth, men will learn righteousness, who God is that I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs, John 16. He's going to reprove the world of righteousness. That what's that? That he's God. And I'll prove the world of righteousness because I go to my father. And he said, I proceeded from the father. I go back to him. I came from him. I came from God. I go back to God. Not around him, not beside him, to him. 
glorified with the Father's own self. Revelation 3.21, set down with the Father in, not beside, not around, in his throne. That man is that quickening spirit. That's what the whole book of the Revelation is. Tune in daily. We're going to get into the Word of God. God dealing with you. You need to come with me. I am in the leading of the Holy Ghost, saying, certifying to you, some of you have been dealt with by the Holy Ghost to come into this ministry. Now, if God hasn't, we don't want you to. want you to obey God. But if God's dealing with you, don't sit there and procrastinate. Move. And I'll be waiting for you to contact me. Because as the body comes together, then we move and God will do a great work. But it's conditional upon the body of Christ coming together. I need you. You need me. And together we'll lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever God is speaking to you, do it. Now write to me, Dinner Spirit, Post Office Box 2906. Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Join me on the streaming or website. That's jcic.tv. Free registration. Just simply give your name and city and you come and fellowship with me. We're going to the depth of the word. And I've, I've looked around every other place I can find, other ministers. I can't find it. Not that we're the only one, but I know what God has given us. He spoke to us there in a visitation, January, the 19th of January, 2019. Seal my people by my word. Even as I send my angel ascending from the east, and the seal of the living God, so send I you. I saw the nations covered in blood, which was on fire, coming all the way from the Middle East, all the way from the east, all the way to the west, and covered the whole world, and he's going to do it. This word, this last day word, and the work of the ministry will cover the world. It's the last day work of the ministry. You're called for it. You believe it. Give me a call. Let's contact me. Let's do it together. You can contact me there at jcic.tv, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, and on our podcast, free download, download our app, Sealing God's People. Well, I look forward to hearing from you, God, that we're praying that he perfect that which is lacking in each one of us for the time of his coming is drawing near. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.